You're listening to the Citrus Church Podcast. Now, here's the message. Uh, but this morning, as we uh, continue in worship, we'll have a chance to uh, follow up on the Easter story. Now, one of the things that, that is always kind of a reminder and a surprise for us is that after the resurrection of Jesus, he doesn't just go back to heaven, right? He actually shows up and hangs around with the disciples and his followers for about 40 more days. And there's a lot of significant things that happen in this, and most of those occurrences are Jesus showing up in unexpected ways and meeting people right where they're at and giving them a hope or a challenge or a direction or some words that they need. Uh, So this morning as we look at that, I want to take some time over the next couple of weeks to really dig into these encounters, these closer experiences that people have with Jesus, because they're all reminders that we are never alone. And wow, I mean, isn't that a reminder that we need right now? So as we look together this morning, uh, I was reminded as I was reading the Easter story and I was reading the news this week that good news doesn't always change the world automatically and overnight. In our country alone, we've had some good news this week of maybe original places where where the virus began that are beginning to see uh, the kind of the plateaus and the peaks and they're beginning to have less cases. We're beginning to see some good news coming out of the country about how people are containing and and suppressing the virus through the important work that we have to do of of staying home and of, of isolating by ourselves and making sure to do those things. But I was also reminded that that just because we have that good news and we should celebrate that good news, it doesn't mean that everything is done and everything is finished and everything is perfect yet. Of course, the good news is that everything that we're doing is working. The hard part of that is that we still have a ways to go. We still have work to do. So I was reminded this week that just because there's great news, it doesn't mean that everything in the world is fixed right away. And we know that more than any in this area because we're experiencing, because of the nature of our area, a lot of people who are just beginning their furlough. So while there is good news, I know that this is still a very hard time. And that made me think differently about the resurrection, that, that even though Jesus was raised from the dead and the disciples were hearing the greatest news ever and the greatest story ever, that that didn't mean that everything changed that day in their lives. And I think that their perspective can help us to to live in this time faithfully and with hope instead of with fear. If you remember on Easter morning, Jesus uh, shows up and he shares the good news uh, first with the women who then go and tell the disciples that he is alive. And my thought might be that they would begin to break out the Easter baskets and, and share the chocolate, right, and do all the celebratory things to say Jesus is alive and the world has changed and everything can be different now. But even with that good news, we can see that there were still some challenges and some hard days ahead. As a result of all this, because those disciples were afraid, and we'll talk about why they were afraid, because they were afraid, even though Jesus was alive, they were hiding behind locked doors. They were in isolation. And we, and we read this passage so differently this year than we probably ever have before. So I want to invite you, if you will, with me to take a look at uh, John chapter 20. This is just after uh, the resurrection of Jesus, and they're sent to tell the good news. Uh, and the scripture says to us that it was still the first day of the week, that evening. So this story takes place 
on the night of Easter the day. While the disciples were behind closed doors because they were afraid of the Jewish authorities, Jesus came and stood among them and he said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side, and when the disciples saw the Lord, they were filled with joy. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father sent me, so I am sending you. Then he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you don't forgive them, they aren't forgiven. And so this encounter with the disciples and with Jesus takes place when they are locked up inside of their house, inside of this room, all together but afraid. And Jesus shows up in their midst and he offers them these words about peace be with you and then he breathes the Holy Spirit onto them. And all of this is significant. The disciples, as we see in the Bible, they were locked up because of fear. And they were afraid of the authorities. And we might wonder from our stance to them to say, well, well, why would they be afraid? I mean, if Jesus really is risen and resurrected, what would they have to fear? If he overcame death and everything else, why were they afraid? We might think that what they were afraid of was just a perceived danger. It wasn't real. But the truth is, is that this danger that they were afraid of was real. It was a legitimate fear. We know that before Easter that Jesus was crucified by the authorities. And those same authorities would have known the disciples or at least known how to find the disciples. We can see this too in another passage with a character named Joseph of Arimathea. And this takes place just before the story, before the, after the crucifixion, but of course before Easter morning. It says, after this, Joseph, Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate if he could take away the body of Jesus. Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but a secret one, notice this, because he feared the Jewish authorities. Pilate gave him permission, so he came and he took the body away. The fear that they were feeling was real, and it was legitimate, and despite the good news, they were still unsure about the future and what it looked like. And so they were in a mode of self-protection. And they were doing that by isolating and locking themselves in. Their response to all this was to lock the world out. And when these things happen to us, we have, I'm sure you know this term, you know, we either have a fight or a flight response. And we might vacillate between those two things. The disciples in this case uh, did not have a fight response. Peter had that in the garden before all of this took place when he, when he used his sword. He had a fight response. In this moment, they're having a flight response. And so their response is to run away and to protect themselves. And of course, the cruel irony of this entire story is that though they were locked up behind closed doors because they were afraid, the fear that they felt was able to come through those doors and was present in that locked room with them. Of course, we can relate to this. We can understand in part what they are feeling. Different circumstances and different situation, of course, but, but I think we can relate to those disciples in ways that maybe we couldn't before. I think many of us are, are locked up because of 
trying to do the right thing, and that is the right thing. But in this time of being isolated and separated and set apart, we're, we are open and susceptible to fear. That doesn't necessarily stay outside. Am I right? And, and fear can take a lot of forms. It can be maybe a fear that we might get sick, right? But it could also just be the loss of autonomy that we're experiencing in this season. Perhaps it's just the separation that we're experiencing with other people. It could be maybe the, uh, the humiliation and the shame of, of having lost a job or being furloughed. And for so many of us whose identity is, is a part of what we do for work, and I'm not saying that's bad. I'm saying that we understand who we are by what we do. And if we can't do that, who am I? These are real and legitimate fears. And, and like the disciples, this is not some perceived fear that we are making up. Right? And so what we have done is we have also locked ourselves in rooms for safety of ourselves and for others. But I think that can also cause us to lose sight of what's beyond. So what I hoped to do this morning was to look at the disciples' experience and to look at our experience and to name the fear. Because once we name something out loud, its power begins to diminish. And we allow the fear to be replaced with hope and faith that doesn't depend on you and I and what we can do, but is the gift of God. So, of course, the good news in the Bible is that Easter still changes everything. And even though Easter still changes everything, it still means that there is an uphill battle for us. So having named the fear, we can move on and we can begin to see how the disciples and others experience the presence of Jesus coming closer to them in this moment. Uh, I love this story because at this moment it says that Jesus enters the locked room. And our imaginations over the centuries have led us to all kinds of different speculations. And the truth is, if you just read the scripture, we don't know. If the door was locked, did he float through the door, like kind of transcend the physical reality of the world? I mean, he could have, right? Did he break in, literally kind of break in through the door? If you read the scriptures, he could have easily just have knocked and they could have realized who it was and they could have unlocked and let him in. We don't know, and perhaps it's fun to speculate, but what we do know in this moment is that while the disciples are locked up in this space, Jesus moves into their place of fear and takes up residence right in the middle of it. Right in the middle of them. He shows up in a surprising and a very unexpected way. And so what he says to them is, Peace be with you. And we read in the scriptures that all of a sudden, that their fear is replaced with joy, that their, Scripture says, filled with joy. And what I picture is kind of the idea of the, of the milk cup, where when we blow air into the milk cup, the bubbles release all the milk. And if you were able to see the cups that my kids had, the cups were empty thanks to their good work. And so those cups were ready to be filled with something new, and in this case, it's filled with joy by Jesus. It's filled with joy by Jesus. They're still in the same room. The same realities outside that door are still there. The same authorities are still in control. But Jesus has filled them with joy. I want to think about this morning what that kind of peace looks like. And I want to offer you at least two definitions of peace. The first one is how we define peace in the world. 
And in the world, we simply define peace as the absence of conflict. The absence of conflict we would call peace. Now you think about this on a world stage. If we are not at war with another country, we are at peace, right? It's the absence of conflict. We may have things going on, but that part is not there. And and while that is a good definition of peace, it doesn't really get everything that we need. Because part of what that might do is just tell us that we can avoid and we can pretend that nothing has changed. And perhaps what that kind of peace can do is simply to minimize things. And perhaps in that kind of peace we say, well, you know, it's really not that bad. People are overreacting. I'm sure you've heard that too, and you've seen reports of that. Oh, everything isn't that bad in the world right now. People are just making a big deal about it. Other people have said that it's an outright conspiracy and that this is some kind of thing that the government or a foreign agent has kind of cooked up to bring fear. That's another response to that. The other response that we have to fear is is competition. And we've seen that in the supermarket sweeps where things that don't make a lot of sense like toilet paper are, are scooped up, right? And we buy out supplies and we stockpile and we stock up because that's a response to fear also competition, denying it, minimizing it. One of the helpful ways that we can approach times of fear or great stress is by collaboration, by working together for the common good. And one of the good things about social media is we have been able to see so many of the ways that people as in the world and people locally in our own communities are finding a way to take the resources that are in their hands and to do something for the common good. I've been so encouraged by the stories of people who are making masks, the people who are using creative ways to turn things that they had into ventilators, the amazing ways that people are helping to collaborate in response to fear. That's good. And that does bring a certain amount of peace, and that is good and worth noting too. Jesus would define peace a little bit differently, and the Bible defines peace a little bit differently than just the absence of conflict. I would say that the Bible describes peace as the presence of God, God's self. And in this case, peace comes for the disciples because the presence of Jesus is in the room. Notice the difference between something being absent, conflict, versus something that is present with us. And so for Jesus to bring peace, it's a reminder that God's grace, God's grace is God's work among us. It's different than our ability and our strength as people to make things happen or to get things done. This has been a season for many of us where the things that we were able to get done before, we simply can't. And the things that we could make happen, whatever it was, are just simply harder to do. This is a reminder to us that there are many things that we must simply trust in the grace of God to accomplish within us. We can see it in the passages that we saw and and some that I wanted to kind of also lift up. When Jesus says earlier in John 14, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I give it to you not as the world gives. Notice the difference. Don't be troubled or afraid. And then again, a little while later in the same book of John, I've said these things to you so that you will have peace in me. In the world, 
you have distress. We can get an amen back then. We can get an amen on this one today. But be encouraged, for I have conquered the world. This passage reminds us that even with God coming present now, we realize that the kingdom of God is present and it's active today, but that it is not fully realized. That even though everything changed on Easter and continues to change, that God is still remaking all things new. And it takes time. I want you to notice also, though, what the disciples did to receive this peace. Because this is instructive for us, too. I want you to notice what the disciples did. They actually didn't do anything, right? They're locked up in a room. So, so notice this. The disciples were not open to a blessing. They didn't do anything to position themselves to receive this. The disciples were not out serving other people, and then God decided to bless them because of that. They were not feeling empowered at all. In fact, they were doing nothing. They were not feeling inspired. They were not helpful. They were not doing anything but being locked up and hidden. And I think what this highlights is that peace and joy are not something that we have to work for. They are a gift of the grace of God to us. This tells us that, that Jesus wants and will come closer to us to bring us peace and to fill us with joy and to kind of blow out the things that we are afraid of. And it tells us that we don't have to have the right attitude. We don't have to be in the right prayerful position. We don't have to be hopeful or inspired or encouraged. It tells us we can be real. And we can feel exactly what we feel. And God is big enough to meet us in that space. And I, for one, think that's some good news. It also invites us to a place on the other side, too, where having received that free grace, that, that we look for ways to draw closer to Jesus at the same time. That we do look for ways to experience the peace of God and, and the presence of God in our lives. And I hope you noticed also what happened for the disciples after this, that it wasn't just Jesus showing up and giving them a sense of peace and then being like, peace out, you guys are good. It was a reminder that having been blessed, they were also called to be a blessing to others. And it tells us that he gives them authority. And, and I like the play on words there. Remember at the beginning they were afraid of the authorities? Now they've been given authority. Jesus is flipping the whole power paradigm of who's got what up on its head. And all of a sudden the ones who are afraid because they don't have any power are the ones who've been authorized by heaven to do something significant. And he breathes the Holy Spirit upon them, which is another way of saying that Jesus is alive and he is real and that the Holy Spirit has been given to the disciples. And he gives them this really unique mission. Did you catch this? If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. And if you don't, they aren't. And I think that there's a lot that is wrapped up within this, but the simple truth is that if you know that you are forgiven, whether you are forgiven by God or you are forgiven for what you've done to someone else, then you feel at peace. And so the mission that Jesus was sending his disciples to do was to bring peace. And they would bring peace by sharing the forgiveness of God. 
to say that God doesn't hold anything against you and that when we come to God through Jesus Christ and we confess our sins that we are forgiven and that the guilt can wash away and the shame can wash away and we can be filled with peace. Sometimes I wonder if he intended this as a rhetorical statement as if to say, if you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven and at peace and if you don't, then they're not. As kind of Jesus' way of saying, I'd like for you to pick one of these and I've got an idea of which one right? Jesus is sending you and I out to help to bring peace in a time when all of us are locked up and hidden away. And whether we are able to do that from a hopeful place, whether we feel filled up, we know that there are people out there who are experiencing being afraid, and Jesus wants to bring them peace. He wants to show up in the midst when we haven't done anything to deserve it and say, peace be with you. Take heart because I have overcome the world. Fear can empty out our lives and make us feel like we are trapped and alone. But we are not alone. We don't have to work hard to find peace and joy. It's God's gift to us. And so the good news this morning is that God comes closer to us so that we know that we are never alone and then sends you and I to become closer to others so that they know that they are not alone. And you might be wondering to yourself, how do I come closer to people if I can't be close to people, right? Well, I saw this shared from a friend who pastors another church, uh, actually in Ormond Beach, and she shared this post, uh, and I think she actually wrote it herself. She called it um, Daily Questions for Quarantine. Daily Questions for Quarantine. And I've asked Jacqueline and Casey, our worship host, to share this document. It's a PDF that I, that I took from her and that you can print out and put it on your fridge. And it gives you a daily question. And what I like about each of these questions is they end with today. Don't worry about what you're going to do tomorrow. Just focus on what you can do today. And one of those questions is, who am I checking in on or connecting with today? And that's how we can help draw closer to others in a time of quarantine, whether it's a phone call a text message, a messenger, a handwritten note that's mailed out, just something that says, I see you, I know you're there, I love you, and perhaps you could just end it with saying, peace be with you. The peace of Christ, the presence of God be with you. So I want you to, to think about that as our response today to the scriptures of asking ourselves, who am I checking in on and who, not, who am I connecting with today? And in doing that, you are receiving the breath of God, the Holy Spirit. And you are sharing that with others in our community. Thanks for listening. Make sure to visit our website, citruschurch.org. If you found refreshments in this message, share it with a friend. And hey, God loves you.